0: This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and uh, I am joined with Ronnie Martin. We're in part two of this episode. He has graciously come to the to the global headquarters of Practical Shepherding with his wife Melissa, and they are here uh, on the tail end of the summit, the Harbor Network Summit that they were here for. And so I'm great. I'm grateful for the the time they've come and and I'm just man. I'm just I'm just really grateful for your friendship. Oh, uh, that is uh, that's been really meaningful to me. Mm. And, uh, I have, I have a small group of, of friends that I just really enjoy and feel loved and cared for by. And, uh, I just can't use one of those. So oh, thank man. you for, for, for being that for me. That's
1: a, that's man. That's a really privileged uh, thing to hear. And, and likewise, man, it's, it's meant a lot to me as well. So thanks brother.
0: We finished the last step on just mm. your, you planted the church and and your mm. story. So I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to episode one of this, you should go back and, and do that. Uh, matter of fact, if you haven't, what's what's wrong with you? Like that's like that's like diving into like the Empire Strikes Back into the Star Wars movies. So yeah, pause it, go back, listen to episode one, come back and see us. All right. So this is episode two. And we want to be able to get into ministry stuff. we've heard a lot of Ronnie's story and I wanted you to because I think a lot of what he's gone through, it just a lot of you can relate to it. We know a lot of our podcast is you just to listen to other pastors. And know that they have similar experiences that you have had and one, the way how God got them where they're supposed to go and how God's calling us out and and the work he's doing in us, even as he's put us on that on that road. And I think you're gonna experience that in this episode, because I want to get into the, the nitty-gritty of, of ministry stuff and to talk about some of the areas in in Israni's life that I, I want you to know about one and two, just the to hear some of the the ministry work he's doing and even how he and, and the stuff he's doing might be able to be a help to you. So, uh, Ronnie, let's let's jump back into just where we stopped. I'd like to talk about. So, you planted the church uh, eight years ago. Church is eight years old now, right? yeah. and you know. So, you're you're a pastor. Yeah, you, know, you you have done that. You you hit the eight year mark. It means you're no longer in the exciting. Hey, this is new, and the ramification of that is you're just settling into this grind, this slog of pastoral ministry <laughs> to to care for folks. It's, the, the joyful burden, we describe it as as a lot of that. Sure. what So let's start, maybe mention a couple of things that bring you a lot of joy about being a pastor, and what are a couple of things that make it uniquely hard to be a pastor?
1: Gosh, that, I mean, that's such a great question, because and I'm glad you asked the first part of it, what are some of the things that bring joy? Because we have to be intentional about Both really those recounting things, right? yeah. those things. That's right. Because at some point when you talk to pastors and you say, how are you doing?, Inevitably and forever, it's I'm going through a hard season right now. Mm-hmm. So we enter into this hard season that I think never lifts. Yeah, in some right. ways, yep. so we have we have to really kind of think about some of those joys and I, and I, you know, it's so interesting because I, they've changed over the years. Um, you know, it used to be things like, hey, I, I really enjoyed the sermon, or I think things that were a little more momentary, and um, I, I think now it's being able to have some of those in-depth conversations with people where uh, they just share some of the, the the joys and struggles of their life mm. and they're just able to tell you just sort of what being part of the church um, has meant to them and how it's shaped them and how God has just like been sanctifying them through it how it's created community for them how um, you know they've met some of the the, the deeper closer friends that they've that they've ever had in their lives have come through that. And so it it, it kind of brings back this idea of that, man, this hasn't been in vain. It hasn't been for nothing. Yeah. Um, the, you know, rarely do we get these quick bursts or e- explosions of where, you know, all, all the light comes shining through the pane glass and, mm-hmm. you know, the, beholding the glory of our <laughs> ministries, right? It's this thing where we see that through time um, there's been this maturation and this fruit that has just ripened very slowly through the years, mm-hmm. and so I would say the biggest joy is being able to sit with people that are members of the church and having those conversations, um, even if it's all, even if they've only been hanging around a couple of years. Yeah. And they've said, "No, God put us in this place. He brought us here, and this has been um, just sort of the." Just the, the the opportunity that he brought into our lives for that kind of change, yeah. And that's that I love that, and that man, that'll keep me going for a week. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So sorrows, and
0: and by the way, as I ask this, there's you know we're talking. The reason I want to ask it, it really is one question, right? What's joys and sorrows? Because what I found in working with pastors is that you almost look for the the balance. It's got to be a balance. Yeah. You've got to have. You, you've got to have. The, like you said, the joys, the things that keep you going, the things that keep you uh, getting up every day and wanting to do this work. But a lot of times we focus just on the sorrows, and that's yeah. what discourages a lot of pastors. Yeah. But it's got to be a balance because the sorrows are things that we have to talk about too. Yeah. So there are pastors that just want to talk about the positive. That's their way of dealing with the hard things that they don't want to deal with. That's right. So yeah, I just want to highlight that balance just for any pastors listening to this. Like you got to know your personality. Are you a gloom and doom person, and you got to push yourself to focus on the joys, or mm. are you the guy that deals with the sorrowful things by just trying to be happy all the time? You got to know yourself, and then figure out what that balance is between those two mm. things. So, yeah, so, so one or two maybe things that are just really hard for you about being a pastor.
1: I think, you know, this. I'm glad that you brought up this idea about personality. Um, so one of the characteristics of my personality in general, just in life, whether I'm a pastor or anything, is that I struggle with being misunderstood. Hmm. And man, pastors are just constantly misunderstood. <laughs> yeah. We're constantly misunderstood. We're always trying to be clear. We're always trying to be articulate. Half of our job is just trying to be clear communicators, right, right. maybe maybe more than half. Hmm. Um, and so I think because I work hard at trying to be clear and yet um, there's those moments where I I feel like some people um, they try their hardest to misunderstand you oh man um, and again that you know we don't know what they're going through and we don't know what experience they're bringing into what is allowing them to approach things with that 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 level of misunderstanding mm-hmm. but that's a really personally hard thing for me mm-hmm. um, is to just be misunderstood to the degree that they don't want to try to understand. And, I, and I'm okay with saying, hey, I probably wasn't very clear there, but man, I would love to sit down and l- let's try to come to, s- to a place of understanding. Yeah. And I think when that is when we're not able to do that, that, that bunches me up inside. That's good. That puts me in a really bad place mm-hmm. um, because I hate being misunderstood. I hate having somebody think something that is not true, but then I don't have the opportunity to... To create to make clarity, yeah, and that that's a that's a really that's a sorrow for me. That's a really tough place. And I think the other thing would just be um, people that leave the church um, for for reasons that I think have been um, that have been created in their minds, but don't really meet the reality of of the situation. Yeah, and um, to where you're saying no, but that's that's not really what's going on here. Um, but it sounds like you you want to believe. You've created a narrative here that I'm not allowed to unpack yeah. or to speak truth into. So now you're leaving with something that um, puts me at a real disadvantage because I'm fearful of, of what you're going to go out and, and say to other people. And then not only that, but just the, the pain that it continues to cause in your heart. Yeah. you know, Because again, I, I think if we... It go, it's almost one and the same, the two things I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. If, if we could just talk... Um, let's try to get to the truth of the situation, which, by the way, very rarely is ever seems to be like the issue on the table, but it's Mm. something lying beneath the surface that's going on that's actually kind of unrelated to the situation at hand, Yeah. but it's almost the way in which maybe some pain in your life is causing you to relate to the situation. Mm. But if we're not given any opportunity to try to surface that, Mm. then... um, Man, it puts us both at a real disadvantage. That is sorrowful. Yeah, that's painful. Totally. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, the um, I appreciate you bringing
0: up being misunderstood. One, because I think a ton of pastors one feel that way, and I think they don't they don't maybe don't understand why it just it hits so deep. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'm convinced. I mean, so if if the deep longing of the human soul is to be known, seen, and loved. And yeah. pastors already struggle with feeling known, seen, <laughs> right. truly known, seen, and loved. Right. And then mi- being misunderstood is really the antithesis of that. Yeah. And and so it's interesting that, that I think that's one of the reasons that it hits so deep with pastors. It happens often. And there's a ton of pastors who really don't ever feel known and, and seen and loved by a lot of people. It's
1: kind of an epidemic,
0: isn't it? Kind yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, which, which is a good segue to your ministry that you have to other pastors which you're doing through the harbor network and as well as your you know your denomination so we talk about how how did you get into that that you know just that kind of role what explain what you're doing with them first of all and then how did you get into the role of caring for you know caring for pastors as part of your ministry
1: yeah, I think a lot of it was—it uh, it, it goes back to what we talked about in an earlier podcast, on the first podcast, which is I, I got into the game a little bit late age-wise. And so, you know, after a decade and a half or so of, of just, you know, kind of going on that 20-year mark um, and being a little bit older and then being around a lot of um, pastors and church planners that just happen to be— you know, I got about 20 years on on some of these guys, right? right? Um, so it, it just—it kind of positions me to be in a place— of just um, being able to, you know, kind of pastor them, care for them, being a father figure to some of them by virtue of just maybe my age, mm. and maybe some of my life experience uh, helps a little bit too. So, um, man, I think I think that's uniquely one of the one of the ways that one of the you know one of the ways God God used just our lives, getting us into ministry later, as a, as an opportunity to. Just kind of dive down into some of these pastors and wives' lives. Interestingly enough, and then I think um, you know, being a part of this church planning network, we are getting a lot of younger men and women coming into this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it was just my personality. I'm an extrovert, and um, just kind of I, I you know just kind of getting in there with guys, asking a lot of questions. Um, so um, being in a lot of situations that the network provides for me to do that. And I think they just recognized that that was just happening by default. Yeah. yeah. And so in, in, in a lot of ways, as the network has been forming, they've asked me in a more formal way to just continue to do that. You know, I'm already doing it. But, hey, what, what if we kind of put you more into a role? Because we want to establish a role here. Yeah, yeah. Um, we think we need to. But we have somebody um, that can really take those deep, deep dives down in with guys that are just – Man, they're in over their heads and they're mm-hmm. drowning. Um, they're in that place where they have no idea what they're doing. They're they're second guessing everything. They're doubting everything, everyone, mainly themselves. And um, just to have somebody come alongside them and say, You're not crazy. It's okay. It's actually a great place to come to when you finally are kind of giving up a little bit and saying, I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, Great, now we can do something. Yeah. You yeah. know? And um, I don't know. God has given me a love for that. And um, an ability to sympathize, mm-hmm. to have compassion uh, for men and women that that are just in that in that place. Because my my heart is really my heart goes large mm. uh, for guys that are in that vulnerable spot. You know that's good. But, and let's be honest, like the salt and pepper look helps
0: <laughs> that we're both sporting. You know, that, so I want to say I think that helps. It, it it gives it puts a little it puts a little age on you when those 100%. young guys come around. And they go. Oh, yeah, that, that's got to mean something a little. Dude, I man. know,
1: I know. Even whether it means anything or not. Hey, right? it's, it's okay.
0: Right. I want you to know, I had somebody tell me the other day that the salt and pepper look <laughs> and the dad bod is in. I'm like, it's a good time to be alive then. All right, It's great. a great time to be alive, man.
1: <laughs> that's great. No, I've always said that, like, gosh, this is like, I think pastoring or, or pastoral ministry, whatever whatever area you're in with it, I mean, it's, it may be the only vocation in the world that's, that's better for you as, as an older person. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Every totally. other vocation is like, totally. it's, it's kind of been set up for, for the youngsters. <laughs> you know, this one is like, no, no, no. You're going to do better as you get older in it. You and, know? Well,
0: and, 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 and no, that's true. And, and it's also really rare to, I mean, like, I mean the, the stats that, you know, the most recent stats I heard is 50% of pastors last five years. Yeah. I know. 80% yeah. don't last 10. Yeah. I mean that's sure. that's in a staggering. I mean yeah. that that's I throw that out there when anybody wants to ask. So why does this ministry exist? You know why why do we need a Ronnie and Melissa Martin doing what they're doing with Harbor? That that's let's just start mm. with that stat. Eighty percent of pastors don't make it ten years. Yeah. So there is something to be said about making it. You know, a certain point and hitting a certain age, and that you're still useful. You're you're not mm. in, you're not full of bitterness over the, the difficulties, which does happen to some
1: middle aged guys. Happens to who, a lot. Who go through really really hard times? That's a, that's a huge thing. I mean that. Yeah, I mean you can sense that. You see that right in mm-hmm. your ministry. You yeah, see that there's that. It's that subtle cynicism, where or that bitterness where it's it's right there at the surface, and you can kind of you can kind of feel it. It's kind of coming out in the words yeah. and the tone and that. And man, so I, that that's a huge, huge mm-hmm. issue, yeah. you know, and that's something that's lurking. Yeah, you always. know that that is that thing that's lurking for all of us in ministry. Yeah,
0: one of the most profound things somebody ever said said to me, taught me. I had a, a this old Scottish pastor. He's in his mid 80s now, but but a friend and a and a mentor. He he was articulating to me that um, the goal for every old pastor, hopefully after he serves 30, 40, 50 years in the ministry is the goal of every pastor is to have a a broken but peaceful heart Mm. and that imagery has always been really helpful to me because in a sense achieving that at the end of your life means you learned how to work through the pain and the hurt of that comes so often with pastoral ministry and if you don't know how to work through that in a healthy way yeah. and find healing through it you you end up cynical and yeah, bitter 100%, and man, that's and, so and that's good. that's really the difference there. That's so good. So as you're working with the pastors Ronnie what what are you finding are some of the biggest challenges with the pastors you're working with both with some, with the harbor as well as with with your domination.
1: Yeah, I, this is going to this might sound strange. I think one of the things that I run into with a lot of a lot of young guys is it's this a compulsion to do so much, which I know is rich coming from me, a guy that's wearing too many hats. <laughs> um, but I, but I'm more specifically talking about it in terms of just their local church ministry. Yeah. And so we're coming out of an era now, um, or maybe we're coming into an era where you know, um, man, there is an, there's a. A lot of these younger pastors have come in with this particular kind of expectation that says, "I can't do enough," yeah, and my, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna value my ministry. I'm gonna measure my ministry by by how many how many hats I can wear, how many ministries can be started, how many things can be attached to this this monster that's being created. You know, this yeah. empire that's being built. Yeah, that's well said. And I, man, I I think that um, you know, we all come, we all, you know, we all come into Church planning or ministry from the experience that we've had, and um, I, and I find it very curious that that seems to be thematic. Yeah. So there is this there is this manic push, you know, towards man. I I got to do this. I got to do that. I'm overworked. I can never take a break. I don't know how to Sabbath. I don't know how to rest. And I I never turn it off. I don't I don't try to develop patterns that allow me to turn things off. We know ministry is all encompassing. So you need even more intentionality. you know. I mean, I'm looking at you, you're looking at me. This is not like two men that haven't struggled with that. Um, but yet I would say that, that is, there is this franticness um, that I see with, with younger pastors. Mm-hmm. When they're doing so much, and most of the things they're doing, I would say they might be spinning out, In they don't need to be doing that. Yeah. Or that needs to be something that's stretched out yeah. over a long period of time. Yeah. And this inability, I think... To say, hey, what what are the few things that I need to do well so that I actually have a, a life that is not just serving me well, but it's serving my wife well, serving my family, well, yeah. serving my church well. Yeah. Um, and again, that's why I, you know, I tend to be drawn to guys like Eugene Peterson, who really understood that early into yeah. his pastor, where he's looking around, going, okay, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the potential of what can happen to me if I feel like my call is to manage a church. Yeah. And he he stopped pretty quick. He was young when he, it was like revelatory for him. Yeah, he said, was. "I'm not going to do that." Yeah. And it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. It doesn't matter the cliche that I work one hour a week. I'm not going to let that. I'm not going to let that push me into a corner of which I can't emerge from. Yeah. And yeah. he, you know, he started writing things. He made some changes. And um, you know, whether we agree with everything he was all about or not, I mean, certainly there were some principles in terms of the way that ministry is supposed to function that. I think we need to be very careful in how we are 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 communicating to younger guys what it's supposed to be, mm. you know. Uh, so I I don't know. I there's there's this manic pace, there's this franticness with guys that I think is really dangerous. I think it needs to be addressed. Mm. And um, again, it's it's a strange gig, isn't it? Right. Yeah. I mean, we come into a a job of which nobody's telling us how to arrange our our daily schedules, right. our weeks. We have too much freedom in some ways, but it's the nature of the job generally, and it's not a great space Mm -hmm. for most guys. Mm -hmm. They just want to fill up every pocket rather than saying, no, 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 you have pockets. Mm -hmm. Most people don't have the privilege... Of being able to have this thing called space. Yeah, we don't have space so that it can be filled. We have space, and we so we, we sort of reprogram our minds to understand that the space has been given to us by God as time mm. for Him to to dwell in our lives, rather than things and stuff and you know um, mm. you know programs yeah. and tasks. Yeah, and uh, I think that's a big thing. Man. I'm rambling right now but that's No, great. you're
0: not man, that's you nailed it. That is really helpful. And the way you articulated that, I think I think a lot of guys are able to uh, identify with that manic pace you're talking about. And by the way, uh, I I as you were talking, I'm thinking Eugene Peterson and then you bring him up. <laughs> and by the way, um, so there's a there's a new biography that came out this year if you didn't oh, see it, A Burning in My Bones, Wynn Collier. I don't agree with Wynn, with everything with Eugene Peterson. Uh Ronnie doesn't it doesn't matter. Like, this book is what he. It's one of the best things I think okay. I've ever read it's a great book. that captures Peterson's story about how he, on his own, kind of just refused to. I'm either going to leave the ministry, I'm not going to function this way anymore. Yeah. And really courageous to do what he did. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know how many times I've recommended that book to people because so many, I mean, that's a great task. We can get a 20, 30, 30 year old pastor to. To fight against entering into that manic yeah. type way of functioning, I, I think that's going to be the key to them doing it thirty years. Uh, that's usually why that. That's usually why there's eighty percent that don't make it ten. That not no, very few can sustain that kind of what you articulated. I think so. Well. Yeah, and if
1: they do, they get to that place of being in ministry for twenty or thirty years, and they're just a shell of a person. That's right. Yeah, you know? yeah, and to add to that, not just the manic pace, but and
0: lifestyle. But I find a lot of pastors don't even know how to take care of themselves. Would, would yeah. you speak to that?
1: Yeah, and I know, gosh, I know, I know, I know self-care is kind of this, this buzzy, buzzy word right now. It is, and, and for I, a reason. Yeah, for a reason, and I, and I think it can be abused. You know, we got to make the caveats, right? Right. But I don't think any pastor in the world, almost, can be, can be accused of leaning into that space. Too hard, too hard and too heavy. I think there is such a pressure for pastors um, because our job has so much space to it. Because we generally have jobs, like Eugene, Peter says, where Eugene Peterson says, that nobody knows what a pastor does six days out of the week, yep. and we have to reconcile that. We have to come to a place where we can find some reconciliation in that. Mm-hmm. Where our job isn't to make sure that other people think we're working. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a yeah. different kind of job. It can't be qualified or quantified in the ways that other jobs are. It's ministry. It's different. Yeah, Jesus designed it yeah. to be to be different. And um, I I think self-care has to be one of the key features of it, you know, and everybody's different. You know, you have to find a particular kind of schedule that allows you to be replenished, you know, and there's all kinds of different ways that we're replenished. Everybody's different about that, right. And food. And, you know, for us, it would be reading. It would be having a sense of, man, I need time to think. I need time to pray. Yeah. I mean I need time to be reflective you know I I like to tell I tell this to my team I tell this to our church during members meetings I go you guys know you pay me to pray and to which they would say well I, I pray and nobody's paying me I said right you're paying me to pray. That's right. You know, and and I and I I say that because I want them to value that they have somebody that is devoting their life to a particular kind of activity that is forming my heart, so that I can be the person that God has raised up in their life to help form their hearts yeah. by God's grace through the power of the Spirit. You yeah. Know? Right, right. But I, but I have to be able to I have to be able to not feel guilt ridden because that those are the things that I am pressing into mm. and spending my time on. Yeah. Things that other people would be like, well man, what do you mean? That's that's something that that's something that somebody like you is paid to do. To which I would say, yes, mm-hmm. actually it is. Yeah. You know, um for good reason. And um but I but I think self care is something that needs to be more embraced in our sort of in our evangelical world mm-hmm. as being something that pastors have neglected for far too long. Yeah. And they need to spend. They need to. They need to know that that figuring out what that looks like in their life and spending good time creating patterns that 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 that, that give them the opportunity to, to be shaped and formed by that. That's a valuable thing. Yeah. And they should be affirmed. Yeah. In doing that, that's you know, great. most guys, man, are you really rare to find a pastor you can accuse of, of being lazy. Yeah.
0: You know. I, so. I and I'll say this, like, there are lazy pastors. Hundred percent. I don't think I know a lot of them, but right. yeah, exactly. I know they exist. And by the way, I think right. what what I think guys need to realize. I mean, most many are workaholics, and it's that end of it. But lazy, I think. To, it's I think it's important to say this: the lazy pastor doesn't mean he doesn't work. He he's but he's neglecting his tasks with maybe the other distracting things. Yes. And so I think when people think lazy, they think, oh, they you know they don't get to the office till eleven and go home at three every day. Well. No, I mean that's not that's not laziness in pastors. Laziness can be just a lack of working hard at the things they're supposed to be working
1: on. Eugene Peterson said a busy pastor is a lazy pastor and what he meant by that is yeah. exactly what you said. That's right. yeah. He's spinning out on all the wrong things. Yeah. 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 And
0: maybe more, you know, maybe more than ever because of the internet and social media oh, and man. so many of the distractions that that's even a greater challenge for pastors than it was even 10, 15 years ago. I mean, it's unarguable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So kind of going gonna go lightning round fire stuff at you. So maybe one piece of advice. I know this is gonna be hard. Oh, man. One piece of advice in and how a pastor can care for his family.
1: Yeah, I think I think presence. Okay, Um, man, when you're with them, be present with Mm. them and be man, be brutal. About making sure that whatever you have to do, whatever devices need to be adjusted or turned off, um, you know, whatever laptops need to be closed. Man, the problem with being a pastor is that there's this 24 hour, you know, just information and dialogue and sermons. Sermons always in your head, illustrations, and all this, you know, and there's all of that going on. And I think that's where having a, a Sabbath day. Where, where you trust the Lord that that stuff is going that laptop is going to be closed for 24 hours yep. and you're trusting God's going to give you what you need because you' you're being obedient and faithful in that period of time so that you can be just absolutely present with your family. So you can look your wife in the eye, you can look your kids in the eye and you, they got you. Mm-hmm. you're all the way there. your, yep. your mind you know it, it's going to be hard, it's going to take discipline. I would say it's just going to take the discipline of prayer where you say, Lord, I want to be present. Man, I, I want my wife to know that she has my full attention when she's when she's talking to me. I want my kids to know that I wasn't always a million miles away yeah. when we're doing all the things that we're doing. Yeah. And I just think presence is so huge. And what a great thing for even a, a you know a, a son or a daughter to be able to you know years and years later go you know my dad was a busy guy. I can't, all the different things that he was involved, all the stresses that he had, and the sermons, and the talks, and the Bible studies, and yet, man, when he was here, man, he, man, we had him. We were, he was with us. He yeah. was with us. Man, that's a good,
0: that's a good word. And I think something that, um, you know, like you said, the family knows. I think 100%. I think we just need to not be deceived to think we're we're hiding our distraction. That's a great word. we're not fully present with our family. So that's a great one. That's word. great. Okay. So um, you do podcasts too. Oh man. Why I, not? I, I'm I'm a I, I maybe have a handful of podcasts I listen to. And at full disclosure, the happy rant is one of them. Oh one. no. I enjoy it. I do. And and so and and I think again just it's it's uh it it is it's refreshing. I even think it's a brilliant idea to be in a tribe and make fun of it, you know? <laughs> and that's there's and if there's if there's any crowd that needs to laugh more, it's certainly our tribe. Oh, so, man. yeah. Uh, you guys are doing a good service with Thanks, you, with man. your podcast. But I know you do other stuff. I mean, you do you know you do a podcast with uh with Jared. I know you do a podcast with um uh with you know with Harbor and, and yeah. those kind of things. So, yeah. Yeah, so talk talk about, you know, <laughs> how how our podcasts uh, how are podcasts redeemed to help pastors? Oh man. Uh, hopefully we're doing that now even even in this moment. But like so podcasting, how do you see the, the the way it can be used as a benefit for ministry?
1: I mean, I think it's it's dialogue and it's helpful to hear, you know, men and women dialogue. Um sometimes we, you know, you know, we're all starved for conversations, I think good conversations. Mm-hmm. And sometimes to be able to almost in a sense step into a conversation. Um, that normally you wouldn't be able to be in face-to-face, but podcasts kind of help us do that. We yeah. get to step into a conversation, and we get to hear, hopefully, really good communication or silly communication or whatever it may be, right? Yeah. We, we need all these different avenues because we're complex people and we're holistic beings. And um, so for something like The Happy Rant, it's just this satirical kind of don't we don't take ourselves too seriously kind of thing where you got three guys just just making fun of themselves basically but making fun of some of the funny goofy silly ridiculous things that that just come out of our evangelical tribe again not as a as a way of making fun of it as we're in the middle of it like you said yeah, yeah. and it, uh, it'd be
0: mean if you weren't in the tribe but right. the fact you're in the tribe you're kind of yeah. Side, sidely making fun of ourselves. This is who we are, you know?
1: Yeah. You got all these denominations that are, that are connected together. You got these conferences, you got these organizations yeah. and you just go, oh, this is so funny. And here we are, you know? <laughs> and, um, so again, yeah. being able to sit, uh, you know, we have a lot of people that tell us, Hey, you know, um, man, my Monday morning commute, you know, um, you, you help me Get back into the the rhythm and flow of my week, maybe sometimes that I'm dreading, Mm -hmm. and just even laugh a little bit, hearing you guys banter. And um, it it really just helps, you know, knowing that it's okay to laugh at ourselves, um, because again, we can be a little too serious, you know, take ourselves too serious, you know.
0: And then you got the podcast with Jared Wilson, and you're talking similar to kind of this, just pastoral ministry stuff. What what are you, you know, is that, does it feel like an apples and oranges thing when, when you're doing, you you go do the happy rant you know in the morning and then you like do a podcast with Jared and talk about yeah. ministry stuff in the afternoon like is that feel different or is it just kind of same
1: yeah it's different in a, in a, in the best possible way because i think the rant you know i don't you know i, I you know i tend to lead off with with humor i always kind of see the ridiculousness of things <laughs> and so it's fun to kind of it's it's fun to be able to be in a context where you can you can do that. But I also, I like talking about serious things, yep. you know, and um, pastoral ministry. So yeah, me and Jared Wilson, the Art of Pastoring podcast. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I mean, he, he can be a pretty lighthearted guy too. So we can even talk about these things seriously, but with a, with a lighthearted bent to them sure. in the sense that, hey, you know, Jesus is on the throne. Everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about some of these things that hurt right now yep. and some of these things we have to process. But um, at the end of the day, you know, man, Jesus is still king. We're going to be okay. But it does allow us to maybe go a little bit deeper and talk a little more seriously about, like what we're doing right now about yeah. some of these issues. Yeah, That's
0: good. Yeah, yeah. yeah so if you want a good laugh, uh, and I'd, I'd certainly commend the happy rant to you. But you and Jared do a great job in the art pa- mm. of pastoring. Oh, so I, I would commend that to, uh, I don't have a ton of podcasts. Uh, podcasts that I recommend to pastors. I try to be sparing with that, but you guys definitely do a great well, job. I, I, I strongly would recommend you Appreciate guys listening that. to that. And so do you, you've written some books and do you enjoy writing? <laughs> Cause I don't like writing and people are surprised by that. No, I love that. You, I love bit. that. You're honest about that. But yeah. do you, do you like writing? Like what, wh- why have you chosen to enter into that space as well?
1: Well, I, so I was a, You know, I was and am a songwriter. I think more than anything else, I identify as being a songwriter before Uh anything else. It's the thing that comes most natural to me. Okay. It's the thing I enjoy doing more than anything else in the world. Really? Anything else in the world. Oh, that's good to know. And um, I think it's the thing I'm I'm most gifted at out of all the things that I I do. And that's just my personal opinion. Mm. Um, Writing was just sort of a natural, I think, you know, kind of evolution to songwriting. Because, you know, you write lyrics... And just being a writer—it's like creating content. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's creating something from nothing, and that's actually what I like doing more than anything. Mm-hmm. And so, writing ha- was just sort of a natural next step from from songwriting, which mm. I still do, but I don't do it as much as I did. Mm. And I'm so having the opportunity to to you know write books and kind of dive into topics that are I'm exploring or that I'm I'm unpacking. It's just been it's just been part of uh, being a creative person. It's mm-hmm. something I really enjoy doing. Mm really happy that I have the opportunity to do some of it. So yeah, just kind of a natural next step and outflow of, of just being a creative, you know, I think.
0: What are you working on now other than your demon papers?
1: Yeah. So we actually are <laughs> writing a book based on the happy rant. Yes. Called, the happy rant. Called book. the happy rant.
0: Is that what it's going to be called? It's called
1: the happy rant. Yeah. The do, happy rant, do rant book. Do out
0: 2000, uh, uh yes, summer, is yeah. <laughs> that what, what I heard you guys talking about?
1: Well, everything gets, it's, it's being pushed now because oh publishing oh, and man. manufacturing more specifically It just the world we're in right now. Everybody's having problems with books and manufacturing, so it's going to be summer of twenty two. So that it's done. We're just in the editing, final editing process of full disclosure
0: for people for the publishing world. Most of the main publishers that you're probably reading books from in the in the Christian world are, if you submit a manuscript that you've already like you signed a contract, they're expecting it. It's done. Like not when you sign the contract, when you submit the book. It's an 18 to 24 month turnaround on the book. That was pre pandemic. And so now you add all the manufacturing stuff in. It's insane. There's going to be people turning books in, and like three years later, when they forget they wrote it, that all of a sudden it'll res- it'll show up in their in their mail and <laughs> every that...
1: every book that an author writes is an old book to them once <laughs> it, it comes out it
0: is they've already written the three books you don't right, you don't even remember what that you that wrote follow up about it. you have to read it again to month. you literally
1: don't remember what you wrote so I have that and then I have a I have a Christmas book coming out in uh off two books out next year so I have a Christmas book coming out next uh, October so the Christmas uh, book's coming out next yeah year. that's so, coming out next year. all right year tell us well. what that's about so it's called the God who is with us and it's an illustrated. Advent book, so I did a children's Advent book called "The Best Gift Ever Given," and so this is sort of an an adult version, not a version of that at all. It's it's, they're not connected, Um, but I I love Christmas, as you know, I love Advent, yeah, and um, so just uh, and I have this uh, illustrator I worked with on the on the children's book, and so we're doing this, and it's kind of an Advent journal too. Mm. So it's uh, you know just your typical twenty four day Advent. Book, but it's very contemplative and reflective in nature, and it has lots of places to like write and journal um, and just immerse yourself in the story of Christmas. And um, it's really for pastors too, mm-hmm. so it's, it's for everybody. But as, writing it from the from the you know the vantage point of being a, a pastor, so I'm really excited. That's that's coming out next year on B and H, and I'm just really really excited about it. Okay. I love Christmas. That's
0: great. So B and H is doing that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Man, I we could just run so many different places in conversation,
0: but uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut the episode down here from at this point. But I'd love for you to share maybe a couple ways listeners could be praying for you oh, man. And, and and your wife as you guys continue to do the different ministry you're doing and, and trying to just sort through what the what the next years look like for you as you're juggling all these hats and then how to balance all that out. Maybe. Maybe two things that you can mention, and i'll I'll take a minute and pray for you,
1: yeah, I think what you just said right there just that the Lord would give us some focus, like how how do you juggle? I mean we're just we're human beings it, we, you know we're not even the most gifted people in the world by a long shot. We just need wisdom for how to how, what things to say yes to, what things to say to say no to, yeah. And I think just, just uh, praying for our church, you know, I mean, man, it's been the same 18 months for us as it's been for everybody. <laughs> right. Painful things. In a lot of ways, we're, we're starting over with some in some areas like everybody is, and we're, de- we're dealing with all the same heartache that yeah. the last 18 months have brought. Right. So I think just that individual focus for us, and then just, you know, kind of just everything that our church has been going through.
0: Excellent. Can I take a minute and pray? I love it, Lord. Thanks for for Ronnie and Melissa and and them being with us, and thanks for the, all the many fruitful ways you're using them to build your kingdom and your church and to care for pastors. And Lord, I pray you just help them to to balance all that they have on their plate. Mm. Help them to know where to focus. And we also pray, Lord, that you would just bless Substance Church and and that they would, um, that they would be gospel light in that place. You would give Ronnie and his elders wisdom to know how where what to do and what to pursue and what to prioritize Mm. as they in a sense rebuild as many are now and we pray lord that they would see conversions in the church We pray that people would be discipled and that the church uh, would be gospel light in that community and we pray all this in jesus name amen amen thanks brother